Okay, cool. I see some new faces today. It's so nice to have you. If you're visiting, wonderful. Blesses us a lot. We just had our men's retreat and... Um, I did a session on Friday night, and then Kevin did a session on Saturday night. Um, and I just couldn't have, as I sat there, Kevin, listening to you last night, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, person to um, work with me and kick off of, of the same things without really coordinating. We were, we were just uh, really on track with one another. And um, <clears throat> it's just wonderful to have someone that's so complimentary and... and uh, so in tune and one spirit and unity that we have. We don't manufacture that. It just really comes naturally. So, wow, love you. It's a son. And uh, that's really cool. And uh, so. <laughs> Evidently, um, I'll make my own confession. There's Ashley now. <laughs> and um, I... Uh, you know, when you're speaking, you say the darndest things, you know. Kids say the darndest things, and you're in the midst of, of a message, and out something comes, and you're like, oh, that felt a little weird, but I'm not sure what was wrong with it. I'll keep moving, you know. <laughs> and evidently, of course, nothing gets by the boys, you know, Brady and whatever. Like, hey, pastor, the next morning, <laughs> do, you, do you realize what you said last night? You said, uh, your son, Ryan, and your daughter-in-law, referring to Ashley. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe she's gone again, so I don't have to, yeah. Eventually, I'll pay for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, the guys will definitely harass Ashley for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have... Uh, gotten into a subject that um, is intriguing me and it keeps growing and it has to do with kind of a negative word but man am I getting revelation and it's very liberating so I want to stay really positive about it it's the word iniquity which is like oh nasty you know uh, the nasty stuff and uh, reading a, a book by uh, Dr. Anna Mendez Farrell 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 um, she did this teaching on and had a revelation about iniquity. And I'd listened to the, to the teaching. I'm like, whoa, this is really good. And so I got her book on this subject. And um, in a nutshell, here is what really captured me, that there's a, there's a difference between iniquity and sin. And amazingly as it is, and they're kind of used... Uh, together in a lot of passages, but this, this word iniquity keeps showing up. And to break it down the most simple way I can, sin is what we do. We know as we grow up in the church, we, we get teaching that, that we have a sin nature. We're born in sin. We need to be born again. Everybody's got to be born again. You've, you've got to have, a, you've gotta have a, a, um, an upgrade on your you know, operating system. You, you need to be touched by the blood of Jesus. And um, so 
when, and I hope this was uh, true of all of you, when you came to this place and moment in your life when you believed in Jesus, there was this like amazing, like it was for me, and I was young, I think 12 years old maybe. And when I finally made that decision to let Jesus into my heart, like you'd think I'd committed horrible crimes like murder and things like that, I felt so relieved from that sin that like it wasn't, didn't have a lot of definition, but I knew it was there. I knew I was coming to believe in him and I really experienced that, that slate wipe clean, that liberation from, from the sin. And um, it was a real experience. And I, and I didn't even, I was young, I didn't even fully understand. I mean, we continue to learn about salvation for the rest of our lives and on into eternity to realize the height, the width, the width, the breadth, the depth of it. But she comes along and she identifies this different that difference that iniquity is, is something different that, and I, I started out, I won't do it today, but I read out of a passage in Ezekiel where it's describing Lucifer and all that he was and where he <clears throat> dwelt and how he was created in this magnificent glory. On the last line of that, that um, group of, of scriptures is, until iniquity was found in him. And it wasn't related so much to an act, but a condition of his heart. This archangel Lucifer, who we now refer to as Satan, was born, was created by God. He's not, he wasn't eternal. He's created, and he was created in a perfect place, <laughs> in a perfect way. Music was in him, brightness, colors, whatever glory was in him. He was endowed with a lot. But at some point, some way, beyond what I really can understand, iniquity entered into his heart. He felt he was, could be equal with God that and it came in. And so as I watch, and, and if this doesn't apply to you, then you can go home early and have lunch and whatever. You know. But many of us, after having that slate cleaned, clean slate, fresh start, we find we fall at some point. We're back into things that were old. Like, And don't you ask yourself this question, where did that come from? And, and it's helping me so much because when I saw there's something that causes the sin, when, and I, I see so many well-intentioned people not intending at all to sin or to fall into sin or fall into the precarious mistakes and things that they do, whether it's unethical business practices, whether it's relational things, whether it's immorality, it's it, so, so, so many do not intend to do that. They don't, they don't tend to ever go back like they were wipes, wiped clean. Then we learn as long as we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. So we, we learn, you have to practice this as a believer that you come back, you repent from things, and then you have to, you may not even feel it right away. You may not feel it because your evil conscience will be at work. You screwed up, you're a loser. And so you have to believe what the word says about you that you're made righteous, you're clean. And that if you, you're faithful to confess your sins, he's faithful to, to forgive your sins. 
However the question remains, you do that, and then at some point later, boom, there it is again. This thing comes up. You're angry. You're, you're envious. You're, something comes up. You're unforgiving. You're offended. And, it, and it's ugly, and you go, gosh, I don't, I don't want to be here, but it's consuming me. Where, where did it come from? And so she begins to describe iniquity and shows the difference as iniquity are their dwelling place, the iniquity in your heart, if there's iniquity in your heart, it be, it's a dwelling place. This is one of the reasons, because it's like you, you purchase a new home. And the deal is, the, the old residents move out, right? And you move in. You've paid the price, you've signed the papers, it's our property, we come in. And you move into this new house, and in the basement you find this little old creepy man. And he's just sitting there, he's still, still there, like... You're like, hey, you know, what are you doing there, you know? And um, there are things we identify, and if you don't identify them as bad, for whatever reason, we allow them to stay in the house. It can be as simple as, and I, as I've meditated, I'm like, oh my gosh, all kinds of things are opening up. When I was young, teenager, you're starting to form your independence. You start listening to music that starts forming your, you know, where you dwell. And sometimes that was good and sometimes it was bad. And often it was bad. And in the era, there wasn't good praise and worship music. So, you know, we listened to other things, you know. I'll date myself, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and the Carpenters, and, you know, the, all those things. And so much... In their music, if there was a happy, joyful song, most of it was not. It was sorrowful. It was, you know, hopeless. I've lost my love. I'll never love again. Like, I don't know, whatever, you know, all, the, all this stuff. Uh, I think one of the, I remember one of the Peter, Paul, and Mary songs, Weep for Jamie. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what it was about. But it was sad, and I began to dwell there. And there was a comfort in being somber, serious, depressed, like, and, and it developed. I get to this revelation, and I just recently went, that was iniquity. That was something that was abiding in my heart that I never, I never called it out for what it was. And often in my life, I'd get criticized, I'd get comments from people like, hey, why aren't you smiling? My pre, you know, spirit-filled days. And I, I, I wrote a poem. I got so tired of hearing it. I'm like, you know, some stupid thing about why I don't smile much. You know, it's just, it's me. It's who I am. Yeah? Don't you go there with your stuff? And I have all kinds of quirky personality things that I didn't see as sin. Lose my temper, you know, lose it, whatever. And it was like, it's just me. I'm under pressure. I just, you know, and I lashed out of the people that were close to me. No, we were laughing, you know. My brother had to grow up with me, you know. My poor mom and dad, you know. What do we do with this kid, you know? And so, one of the reasons that this stuff stays is that you give it permission to. It's comforting. It gives you power. Like, I don't know. doesn't really matter what or why. It's just that you haven't eradicated, you haven't identified these things, and they have a way of staying, and eventually they'll wreak havoc in your, in your life. They never just lie dormant. So 
we keep, it's great, it's wonderful to come back to Jesus, to repent, you know, we have all this backslidden issues with, you know, falling away, and it's like, how, you know, maturity is getting to a place where you walk and you stay walking, you stay in the place. That your down times are quick and momentary and you just jump back up, you repent, you, you know, you, you move on. Like, that's what we've taught and what I've taught. In Psalms 51, David, after his sin with Bathsheba, like, again, where did this come from? This guy wrote most, many, many, many of our psalms and songs, you know, inspired songs we're still singing today. But he not only had an affair with a woman, he also had her husband murdered. We're into some pretty nasty stuff, stuff that you can go to prison for, stuff that you can get executed for, right? And this king, this man after God's own heart, committed this stuff, like, Whoa, what's that? There was iniquity that was in his heart. Even after his slaying the ten, tens of thousands and being the national hero, becoming a king, there was something there that at the right moment and the right circumstances opened up something that he did something that he would never agree to. As a matter of fact, when Nathan the prophet came and confronted him about that, hey, king, I have a story for you. There's a man, and I think it got, I was going to reread this, but there's a man that stole a, a, a person's precious prized lamb, their lamb. Took it from them, took it from them, stole it. You know, it's like, what should be done to that man? David's like, he should be killed, shot, hung, whatever. Like, he should be judged. And, you know, the prophet, being the prophet, goes, that man's you. It's like, I know what you did. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Talk about a moment that you don't ever want to have to experience. Like, I, I just condemn myself. David was amazing. He tapped into what we call New Testament theology, and he, he bypassed a lot of things to get to God's forgiveness. He tapped into the Father heart of God and received mercy. And he's still a hero among us now. He fell, he sinned, but he repented, and he was restored. When these things abide, they eventually catch up with you. He said, in that scenario, in Psalms 51, wash me thoroughly from iniquity and cleanse me from sin. So there were the two words together, and they often show up together. Wash me thoroughly from what I'm not even seeing that's deep inside there that caused this. And cleanse me. Clean my slate. Wipe it clean. And the Lord's faithful to do that. When I saw this, I went, oh my. I would hear of a scenario, of a situation, and we're reading books, and Benny Hinn and different people, and things they've done. And Benny Hinn's pretty graphic in his book about himself and then about other, other people in the ministry, and we know this is going on. There are people in the ministry that have great anointings and uh, lead big churches, and all of a sudden, out comes this exposure of some horrible stuff. Like, ah, oh, wow. I mean, it hurts all of us. We all feel that impact. It doesn't cost me to stop believing, but we, we feel that. we like, there's, there's failure there. Like, if they being they, famous, great, wonderful, anointed, all those things, fall like, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble, you know? I'm just me. I'm Bethesda Road. And, and so it causes your heart to faint, but... God's watching your heart. 
It's like the success is not what's that great. It's you, you having a pure heart, you knowing him, you walking with him, you going after your things. And so when I saw this, I, my judgment of some of those things really like I went, I, I, now I could identify, ah, as good as they were, as anointed as they were, as much as they knew, they had something they didn't get dealt, they didn't deal with, they didn't recognize. There was iniquity still in them that eventually was going to con- contaminate their entire life. Back in the days when Karen would uh, teach these freedom classes, um, her main scripture was Psalms 32, 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So it's one thing, and this is true. This is a scriptural truth that you're declared righteous in Jesus, like a lot of scriptures that affirm that. We, but it's it's one thing to be declared righteous, but it's another thing to have righteousness established in you or to see that established in, in yourself. There's a difference. The declaration is wonderful. It gives us a goal to go to. It's what the Lord says over us. And yet there is a different thing to have this established in us. So today I want to uh, hit on this subject, the comparison of two things, righteousness versus iniquity. And there's a whole book on this by um, Anna that's uh, it's really good. If this intrigues you, I, I recommend the book. It, she doesn't make, it's not just a simple thing. It's, it's something that you go after, but it's not complicated either. I, I like to stay this way with, with this whole subject. Just follow the things that are showing up in your life. You'll have your hands full. And that will lead to your, to your liberty. Just walk with him. And if something keeps showing up in your life, just get courageous and brave and go, what is this thing? If envy keeps showing up, I mean, envy's ugly. You can't even satisfy it. You're just, it's insatiable. You can't feed it. You see something else, that, something that somebody else has, and you just, you have this ugly feeling about it. Like, huh, I hate you. We always laugh about teenage girls. They'll see another girl that's pretty and go, I hate you. You're, you know, you're beautiful, you're slender, you're this, you're that, I hate you. You know, it's like, that's envy. It causes this horrible wickedness in us. Don't worry about the big, the big sins. This is bad enough. Or being offended or all of these things. Like if it keeps showing up, your victim mentality, your like there's, there's a, a stronghold of, of, of being an orphan not having a being fatherless that creates a lot of bad behaviors. Listen, iniquity is against you. It causes spiritual blindness. It causes spiritual deafness. It's against your body. It's against your prosperity. It, 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 contam- it, it uh, undermines your finances. Go ahead, try to work harder. <laughs> Try to get more, you know, worldly wisdom about how to do your finances. If this thing, if this iniquity is in your bloodline, it's in your, in your inheritance, like, and you can deal with it. You don't, you don't have to be stuck with it. Anna's story in her book, her testimony is that she, her finances were cursed. Like, 
She was losing, she lost her inheritance. Like all kinds of weird things happened as she was growing up, went to college, et cetera. She's like, whoa, something's wrong here. And she just followed that. Like what's really going on? And she started to pray. And she, she started to research her family, her heritage, and she found one of her, uh, her grandfather maybe, somebody had done something bad in business, had defrauded somebody else, and that person cursed him and cursed all of his family forever and ever, amen. And she found this out. It's like, ah, oh, there's the culprit. She didn't do anything wrong, but she was being robbed continually. And so she began to pray as the Spirit led her, and she broke that curse, repented for the fraud that her ancestor, father, grandfather, whoever it was, it was someone back several. It's like, you can change this stuff. Uh, this, this gets like, I'll throw this out. It's a little bit deep, but I'll throw it out. Have you ever thought about consecrating your conception the moment you were conceived? Hey, it doesn't cost anything. It's worth a try. Where you pray and say, Lord, I consecrate, consecrate my very conception. I don't have to live with all this baggage. I don't have to live with all these things. Break these things. I know you can. He waits for us to ask him because our will is always involved. He never violates that. We go, why is this still here? Because you've allowed it. You've embraced it. You kind of have to get to the place where you see this creepy little man that's living in your basement. You go, hey, you need to go. This is my house now. It's not yours. Go find some other place to live. That, that thing that you've cuddled up to, that comforts you in some weird way. And many of the things that aren't good, they, we get comfort out of them. That's why we tolerate them. Like, what would I do without that, you know? Oh, you'd be amazed. Just being somber, being sober, not, not having joy, that's a stronghold. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's, there's a, there is a, a contagion of joy in heaven that doesn't get expressed on Christians all that often because we're walking around with baggage and heaviness, regret, dread, like things have gone wrong, and we, we live in that. And you start identifying and giving some different, like, terminology to this. And you realize when you see, even when you see someone else fall, get into something, you go, ah, here's the source. You don't even have to be angry at people anymore. That's very liberating. It's like, oh, yeah. Because I know how things work in my life. And if there's something that abides, it, it eventually comes back and bites me. We want righteousness is to be clean. We always think of the word like rules and, you know, keep all the rules. And do it. it's, it's, it's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. Righteousness is, is that sense of feeling clean. And when you feel that, you're strong. You're powerful. You're, you're on your best game. Even athletes understand this and know this. Worldly athletes and when they're going up into a competition that's high stakes, and what do they do? They fast, they pray, they abstain from anything that they feel will draw energy from them. I, I was kind of amazed to, to hear some of that. I'm like, wow, you guys are serious. 
We should be that serious about this because when you're strong and you're intent, the Lord wants you to be strong. And when you're right in righteousness, listen, righteousness is an attribute of the Lord, Anna writes this in her book, that aligns everything up with the kingdom of God. So righteousness coming down from heaven, that grace that we cry out for, is, is meant and intended to align you. So if you're still out of alignment, just say this to yourself, this ain't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be dialed in, tuned in. We take our cars, if they're not driving correctly, we take them to the shop and do, hey, this needs a front end alignment. Like, oh yeah, yep, it's out of line, and by the way, you need some new tires. And so, so we, we put money into that because, wow, is it wonderful to have a car that drives straight, yeah? It is, I love that. I love that feeling, like, ooh, it feels good, you know. I love when my truck drives nice, like just, yeah. It feels good. I love it when my guitar's in tune. We're up at the tree, my, uh, the, whatever, the humidity kept affecting it, like, not normally, but it did. And I'm like, it's, I'm here and it's going out, you know. So righteousness is intended to come on you and align you with the kingdom. And when you are aligned with the kingdom, your relationships are blessed. I mean, everything changes when that comes into your life. You start treating your wife better. You treat your kids better. You're, you're, you're on your game. You're a different person. Why is that? Because you're getting aligned. You're getting put into who you really are and not just who you've adapted to be. Well, you know, that's just me. I'm moody. Or that's me. I get angry a lot. How many things and how many times, how many people do you know, and maybe it's you, that you just start warning people, hey, be careful, I have a bad temper, don't, don't mess with me too much. Yeah, that's manipulation. Like, we have all kinds of quirky things, and we, we kind of throw out the feelers like, hey, don't, don't mess with me, like, this happens. What is that? When Christians do that, what is that? What is that? Iniquity, on the other hand, is the force that twists and perverts everything, separating it from the, from the designs of God or for what God originally designed. When righteousness comes into our life, by nature, it judges iniquity. They're at war with each other. Feel conflicted sometimes? I don't know how this goes with some of our modern-day theology, but righteousness judges sin it judges things that show up in your life and so have you ever felt really conflicted as a christian i know you have i hear the stories this could be it because when that manifests you feel you'll feel grieved you'll feel empty and you're not sure what you how to put your finger on it was it something i said probably was it something I'm believing? Probably. Was it something I said about somebody else? More than likely. It's like sometimes you lose a lot of your language and talk when you really go after this. You find yourself being a lot more quiet. We lose a lot of our conversations based on talking about people, isn't it? saying things that really aren't edifying. What, I don't need to know that about them. I have nothing to do with them. So don't, you don't need to tell me about that. 
I want to see the best for people. I want to see you on your A game. I, I, I want to stop this complaint every once in a while. I, I work on it, but everyone, out it comes again. I go, what, is, what is complaining? What's the root of it? Who does it edify? Does it even make me feel better? No. Does it make you feel better? Definitely no. Pretty soon you're like, here, just talk to the hand. I got enough things to, you know, be upset about. I don't need, I don't need to hear that. It's just this difference of, of having your, and we don't want to just manage ourselves. It's got to be more than that, doesn't it? But if we can get to the roots and let the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead us. You don't need a book for that. Just go after things that sh keep showing up. Go, what's really going on? And stop saying, it's just me. Stop saying, it's just how I am. I'm just moody. I'm just stupid. Well, they say all kinds of things about ourselves. It's like, no, not necessarily. And here's the biggest thing about both of these. Righteousness and iniquity. They have a great power of attraction. Iniquity attracts stuff to it. But righteousness attracts things to it too. The kingdom. They have a great power of attraction. Matthew chapter 6 verse 20, uh, 33. Simple verse, most of you know. The kingdom of God. It was either this verse or another verse, Kevin, that you shared last night that I'm going to re-share. I think the next one. Matthew chapter 6, 33. So, above all, constantly chase in the, in the um, Passion Translation. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him then all these less important things will given, be given to you abundantly. And so if righteousness comes and it aligns us with the kingdom, then kingdom is, is coming to us. We're see, and we're seeking the kingdom when you're seeking righteousness. And if you seek the kingdom, all that stuff you worry about, it will come. It will be added. The promotions you look for, it will be added. When you, if you catch yourself complaining about certain things in your life you're frustrated with, just take a second look. Like, step out of yourself for a moment and go, what's really going on here? What's the real source of this? What's the real cause of this? At some point, you've got to stop blaming everybody else. At some point, you have to tap into what the Lord has for you and this, this righteousness that he, that he intends. What was the other? There was another verse here. I wrote it down someplace. And about, yeah, it was just back a chapter, Matthew 5. And it is what you shared last night, Kevin, or one of the verses that you brought up. Since you are children of a perfect Father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. And I had made a statement. Was it in church? No, it was, it was at the men's retreat. We need to stop giving ourselves over to a teaching or doctrine that's like, you'll, you'll never be perfect. We kind of just yield to that. It's like, yeah, try as hard as I can. I still have this and that and whatever. We just need to say, 
That's not all there is. If you say that and make that statement, you're conceding. You're giving up the fight. You're not going after things. I'm telling you, to have righteousness flow through me, you, and I believe there's a greater measure that wants to come from heaven, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's empowering. It's like the best tooth, toothpaste and the best makeup and the best hairdo all combined into one, you know? Like, it does. When you see a person with that glory on them and glory and righteousness uh, are, are the same thing, they're combined, they're companions. So we talk about glory like the presence of God that would just, if it showed up in any, any manifest form, it put us all on the floor and we'd be happy as whatever about it. Yeah? I mean, the power of God when it comes and hits and we have these moments, I hope you've had your own moments. I've had a lot of them. It's wonderful. You're like, oh man, I don't want to get me more of that. Like, that's good. I hope it stays. Uh, and you could even be embarrassing. Later you're like, oh wow, um, yeah, about, about that, you know. But the presence of the Lord fell on me. And I'm like, wow, that's like felt wonderful. And I wasn't sinning. <laughs> like, I didn't sin when I was in that. Like I was empowered, like I was dialed in to the kingdom. There was an anointing. There was a, it was good. And when I share this, there's this, there's this uh, anointing that does fall, fall on it. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. Looking at this part about attraction and how powerful this is. Isaiah 60. It says... Rise up in splendor and be radiant. Again, I'm in the Passion Translation if it's a little different than what you have. For your light has dawned and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. And there's a, this was a promise to Israel. These, these are the promises that they had on them, even as a nation, that they bypassed. And we can read this and make those comments and then go, but it's for us as well. And why do we bypass it? The glory and the that righteousness coming on you, it's, it's, it's life-changing, and it attracts people to it. Look carefully in verse 2. Darkness blankets the earth, and thick clouds cover the nations, but Yahweh arises upon you, and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light, and the kings of the sunrise glory of your new day. Lift up your eyes higher, look all around you, and believe for your sons are returning from afar and your daughters are being tenderly carried home. Watch as they all gather together, eager to come back to you. Then you will see in verse uh, five, I believe I'm in, you will see with understanding and be radiant. Your heart will be thrilled and swell with joy. The fullness of the sea will flow to you and the wealth of the nations will be transferred to you. So that stuff you're seeking, the promise of it coming towards you is in, is in moving this direction. Having righteousness come on you. Of, of ide finally identifying and praying. Just pray. Just ask the Lord, is there a source? Is there iniquity in me? In my heart, in my soul? It doesn't matter where, how at the moment. Like it's just that if you got problems and they keep showing up, that's all you need 
to know uh, something's not right because I don't want to be like this. I don't want to keep losing my temper. I don't want to keep falling into this temptation. I don't want, I don't want this to keep showing up. I don't want to keep making bad financial decisions. Why do I do that? Have you ever asked the real question of yourself? Like, do it. I dare, dare you. I double dare you. Ask the Lord, hey, is there something going on that I could go after? The Holy Spirit's like, I've been waiting for you to ask. Finally, you prayed the good prayer. Is there something I should go after? Something you want to bring light to that I've, I've been hiding in my basement and embracing and is killing me? Our health, our whatever, like this song we just sang, House of Miracles. Like I, I was looking again at the words as we were singing and as we were preparing, and I'm like, we need to make a decision to seek Jesus first, not third, fourth, fifth. Like make the priority, I'm coming to you, Lord, first with this. I'm sick, what do you say about it? What's going on? I'm coming to you first. I have pain, what's that about? I'm coming to you first. What's going on in my relationships? My friends, they listen, but they can't really help because I think it's something bigger. I'm not getting along with the in-laws. Jesus, what's going on? What do I do? How do I deal with this? I mean, we're good at complaining about all this, aren't we? My boss, he stinks, you know, like whatever. Or it's the school system, or it's the government. That's a great target to shoot at, but it won't change you, it won't help you. We need answers, we need direction, so that we can get the freedom that Jesus promised us. It's like, I've got more. I've got so much more. And I, I've set my heart like I'm sharing because I'm doing this. I'm going after this. I'm like, what, what's the real reason for this? I'll often still, and I, a depression will come. Like, it's not identified with anything, but it's there or a heaviness, or a sense I'm separated from the Lord. I'm like, what's going on? This, why, why is this heaviness? It's, it's here. It's been abiding on me. And I'm like, I need to know the key to this. It shouldn't be there. And when you're in it, it's so hard to even think about getting out of it. It's paralyzing. We live, we're living sub, and just because I've set my heart that to believe that there's answers and there are things to, that can be dealt with. And I'm like, I'm telling you, it's awesome. And the Spirit's leading me back to this and that and whatever. And I'm just giving them to the Lord, repenting, acknowledging them. And it's a little like hurt, it hurts a little bit to see some of the things that you've done and have to look, just look at it like, oh my God, that was bad. It was hard. But when you're bringing it before Jesus, it's only a moment, and there's, there's a grace. If you're staying in the Spirit, really Spirit-led, there'll be a grace to look at things that are tough. And the grace will be, you're forgiven. The only point for you to see it is that you can identify, oh Lord, this is, this is it, I, I repent from that. I had no clue what I was doing or how hurtful I was in that, what I was doing to myself or what I was doing to somebody else. 
And he longs for that. And it, it's all contained in this subject, this, this thing, this area that is there iniquity in you. And I came to this moment, I went, there's iniquity in me. I didn't feel condemned about it. I felt like, you know, it's like when you identify why your car's not running right. Oh, I know what, it needs a new air filter. You run down to Napa and get a new filter and slap it in. Like, you don't sit around going, oh man, my car won't run worth nothing. It needs plugs and an air filter and you know, what am I gonna do? Go get some, you know, stuff, fix it. And I feel the same hopeful way about this. There's gonna be some nasty stuff show up in your life. It feels so good to go, to believe I can be free from this, identify this, not because I'm good, not because I'm powerful, not because I can handle it all, but because I know the secret, the key to unlock my freedom. And when, when righteousness falls on me, dippity doodah. I don't have to conjure joy, I'll just be joy. I don't have to try to pray. I will be prayer. That is what man is. We are, we are prayer. I read that recently in looking at the notes and what, what words meant. And uh, it's like, you are man, when he was made, he was made, you are prayer. Because of our ability to commune with the Father. He created you to have fellowship with you. When there's no fellowship, he, he's not happy about that. It's like, hear the Father say, the whole point I did all this was so that we could have, we could be one. Frustrated grandparents, what's your frustration? When you can't connect with your grandkids, you try to be nice to them and they're little, you know, they're little stinkers sometimes. It's like, you just want to be close. You just want to love on them. You know, it's like, oh, it's too much. Like, they're pushing you back. Don't kiss me now. I'm a big boy, you know. But what's in you? This overwhelming love, you can't contain yourself. You just, I just can't stop myself. We have a Father in heaven that just wants to love on us. Can you just come to a place in your heart? I know we can all make movement in this area where you just want everything that's hindering the love of God and your relationship with the Father out it's not worth keeping. It's not worth leaving anymore. You're just miserable. I, I made this comment at the men's retreat. Satan, when iniquity was found in him, he was in a perfect place. He was in heaven. I don't know how that works, but we'd often like to change our circumstances. If I could work a different place, I'd be happy. I could, I could do well. I could keep my joy and peace. Or if I had different friends, I could keep my joy and peace. Or different relatives. Oh, the relatives. There's always this thing where we blame, where we live. where we, And here is Satan in this perfect place, lacking nothing. And iniquity was found in him. So it must not be about the place, huh? It must not be about the circumstances. Without those things changing, you can be changed. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power.
So let's give ourselves to that. Just join me. Like, just go after things in your life. What's, what's showing up? What are you not getting victory about? Like, keep it between you and the Lord unless he leads you to just really share. You know, like, it's neat. We're always blabbing our mouths way too much. I think we talk too much. We're saying too much. There's a place where you just walk this out. And then as the Lord adds people that really can minister to you, that's great. I love that. But initially, like, Lord, what, what's this here? Uh, this, this thing. I just, I just had a reaction to something. Lord, that was ugly. That wasn't Jesus. Just ask yourself, was that Jesus? Did that look like Jesus? No, I don't think that looked like Jesus. That wasn't how Jesus would have done it or responded. That's uh, not good. Or if you have fear. Or if you have anxiety. Like, what? go after this. What, what's causing that? Or you're grasping for things. So you're like, just identify it and say, what's really here? Is there something that's living in my house, in my heart? Is iniquity affecting my life? And if you go after that instead of just going after the behaviors, you'll make progress. Because when we concentrate on changing our behavior, getting better, doing better, like self-help type stuff, like, I know it's all in Jesus, but when you go after the real root and source, you can really get free. And the behaviors, they'll just drop off. That, that's the good news. That's why this is good news. You even lose your judgment over a lot of people when you see them fall or see them do badly. go, oh, yep, there was iniquity in their heart. There was something they didn't address, and it, it caught up with them. It eats your lunch. It, it eats all of us. It comes after all of us. It hates us. It's against us. Iniquity is against you. It's not for you. That's why the Father's like, get free from this. Get free. Find ways. Open, you know, follow the Lord. What he wants you to do. I'm going to close. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for your presence. Can you put some music on, Ashley? Proverbs 8 talks about the rich, the, the riches of righteousness, the riches of wisdom being on us. I promise you, you go after these things, whatever's showing up in your heart whatever you have eyes to see and ears to hear about. You can expect freedom to show up in those areas. If you allow the Lord to cleanse you thoroughly like King David did. He made some big mistakes, but man, he sure knew how to tap in to grace and righteousness and favor. He knew how to tap into the heart of God. He should have been put to death over his sin. That's the level that they were. That was the punishment for what he did. 
and even more so as a leader. But he went right to God. And he makes this declaration, my sin is between me and you only. You wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. You cleanse me from my sin. Will you wipe my slate clean because I understand your heart of forgiveness so magnificent. All you want is for me to be close to you, to live, to have life, so that we can commune with one another, so that I can praise you and worship you and that you can tell me how much you love me. My confidence level grows exponentially when my relationship with Jesus is good and tight and free and there's no hindrance. I'm just going to declare over you, if there's a hindrance in your life, I want you to put your hand over your heart. Say, Jesus, take this away. Remove the obstacle. Remove the iniquity. I'm not afraid to say there's probably iniquity in me. There's probably dwelling places. The counterpart of Psalms 91, he who dwells in the shadow of the Most High. There are probably dwelling places where I go and hang out and hide out. They're keeping me in bondage. Ask for righteousness to flood your soul, to flood your heart, to flood your mind, to flood your body. The toughest thing is when you don't even know what the source is or where, but if you commit this to the Lord, He will show you. He will lead you, guide you. Lord, cleanse us. Let your righteousness flow. I'm not afraid of your righteousness to come over me. I'm not afraid of what I'll lose because I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Relieve me from condemnation. Lord, still I can hardly sing this song without crying. When those voices say, I'll never be, I'll never be enough. It's true, without you, I won't. But I make this statement today, I am your beloved's. I am my beloved's. He is mine, and I am his. And my name is written on your hand. I am the one the Father loves. You want to kick the devil in the teeth? Just say that and believe that. That's the one thing he wants to keep you from. He doesn't care how religious you are if he just can keep you from believing that. Father, I thank you for your treasury chest of grace and forgiveness that's poured out on us.
I want to be free. I want to be righteously free in my relationships. I want to be righteously free in my morality. I want to be righteously free in how I handle my finances and money. I want to be righteously free in how I do transactions and make agreements with people in this life. I want to be righteously free about how I do my job or how I do my ministry. I want to be righteously free in my marriage, in my relationship with brothers and sisters. I need your heart to do it well. But you're so willing. You're so willing. You're so willing. You're so willing. I choose today to have iniquity purged from my life so that I can be perfect as my Father is perfect. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Um, a couple weeks ago, I read uh, from 1 John 1 and 5. Um, and it said that there's darkness in this world, yet we still walk in the light. In this past week, I was in uh, Psalm 23, and it's basically the same message. I think the pastor preached on this a while back. We often hear the 23rd Psalm at funerals. It's probably our darkest valley. But when you read it, what surrounds us in that valley is mercy and goodness and righteousness. Cups overflowing, anointing. Still waters and green pastures. Rest and comfort and peace and a table, and that's the perfect picture of light in the midst of darkness. The table, it says in verse 5, is prepared for you, prepared for us in the midst of our enemies. So whatever's lurking around out there that wants to kill you can't because you belong to the Good Shepherd. Our tears and our sorrow are reminders that we've been through the dark valley in our life, we encounter disease and death, and they're reminders that we've been through the dark valley, but that's not where we live. The table is prepared in the light. It's in the green pasture. And your name is what's written on the Lord's hand. It's not, it's not the enemy. Your fear, your anxiety, your depression, your shame, they can't be at that table. They're not invited. Louis Giglio wrote uh, recently, the enemy wants to define you by your scars. Jesus wants to define you by his scars. 
So step out into the light. Come to the table. When you fear the, when you fear the enemy closing in on you, go to communion because your enemies won't be at the table. It's you and the good shepherd, so come and eat and drink in peace.